And man, we had like more employees than customers. <laughs> it sounds really, when I'm thinking about it now, it sounds ridiculous, right? And you know, we were spending millions on this. And we didn't realize two things. First of all, welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Falsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Piotr Pisage, CEO and founder of Uncapped, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi, and welcome, Piotr. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And first thing first, can you please tell the listeners, what does your company, Uncapped, do? Please, do the elevator pitch. We provide working capital to e-commerce, SaaS, and all other tech businesses around the world. And by the way, around the world, I mean Europe and the US. Quite straightforward pitch. And if we pause at Uncapped for a while Mm -hmm. and turning the spotlights towards you, who is Piotr? Oh, great question. Uh, Number one, founder of Uncapped. I think, you know, it's very funny how after, you know, it's only been four years, but the startup starts defining you, what you do, and like, unfortunately becomes a huge part of your personality which I'm really, really trying to avoid. I think number two is avid gym goer, avid, you know, uh, book reader. Uh, but I think still the company is probably 90% of what I do. So, 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 so this is like how your identity now then? Unfortunately, I try to make it more. Uh, the funny thing is, you know, my job was startups for many, many years right now, right? Uh, so before starting Uncapped, I was a VC investor. And I still do a lot of angel investing. Uh, and by what Uncapped is doing, you know, we provide that to many, many, many startups. So I still, I talk to even more founders than when I used to. Uh, and as being a, you know, fairly, you know, successful startup by now, uh, you know, I also get to do a lot of advisory work. A lot of people come to you for advice. They want, hey, get perspective on this and that. So I think, Day and night, all you do is you meet founders, talk to founders, give loans to founders. My partner, my girlfriend, she's a founder, you know. So literally, business is all all my life right now. Let's talk about the big why. Why did you start the company? I really felt there's a need for a product like this. You know, I was a VC and uh, I was talking to a lot of founders who were looking for uh, capital to grow their business, they scaled their business successfully. Uh, and now they were asking, hey, I want more money uh, to spend money on marketing, on inventory, I want to hire more salespeople. And I felt, oh my God, we're giving away so much of the equity uh, to fund something that normally should be done for debt, but no one was doing this product. So that was one reason. And one was much more selfish. As a VC, I realized 
um, hey, listen, as a VC, I can only invest in one out of a thousand companies, but probably I could give that to way more of them, you know, like like probably like one out of 10, one out of five, one out of two. And the and probably the rate of return on the capital is more or less the same, you know, like I don't think there's much difference uh, in the long run. So wouldn't it be much better to take care of this like much bigger pie, which no one is looking at, you have a few venture debt funds, but they're still like, they're very old school. Let's democratize access to the capital. Let's give debt to thousands, millions of entrepreneurs. And, and yeah, that's why Anand Capital is created. Powerful. We move on to the segment now of five quick ones. And Piotr, here you need to be quick. I will say a word and you need to say the first sentence slash word that pops up to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. Good. Let's go. Fundraising. Pain. Sauce. Good multiples. Growth. Expensive. VCs. Great, but dangerous. And the last one, the fall of 2023. Recollection day for many companies. Interesting. And thank you. And let's move into the segment of business development. And first thing here, like you already partly mentioned, you have invested in several fast-growing successful companies and your own startup has, has grown to a scale-up and is growing fast. Can you share your key cornerstones around building a great go-to-market machine? Oh, building a great go-to-market machine, I think, um, is, is a very, very, very long way. And I think it all starts with asking yourself fundamentally, asking yourself a question fundamentally, how customers want to discover product to actually buy it and then figuring out how to scale these channels. And I think it took us a lot of time and a lot of money wasted uh, to really nail. Initially, you know, we were spending a lot of money on ads across the internet, which were not scaling. And in hindsight, it was kind of obvious. Do you really want to take a loan? Like, and if, and like, do you really want to take a loan because you saw some ad on the Instagram? And if yes, are you even a good customer? <laughs> Probably the answer is no, right? And it takes you a lot of time to figure out that actually the number one way is to, okay, to be introduced to the client by someone they know, by someone they trust, you know, building a brand. You want the customers to come to you. It's a very, very slow, slow process. And this is thing number two. I think good go-to-market, efficient go-to-market takes time because I do believe in brand and I do believe in brand recognition and I do believe in brand awareness. And uh, having having a strong reputation of a market is uh, how to make it efficient. And there are things which, you know, you cannot just scale in the, uh, one day. Right. And, and the, the one thing I learned by analyzing thousands of companies, the faster you grow, the faster you will decline later. So when we are looking who to back, we love companies with a slower rate of growth, but very like predictable and consistent, stable, stable and efficient. Um, and this is what we try to do it in cap. Like we don't try to grow at any cost. We are very, very focused on our customer acquisition. We look carefully at every channel, we revise it, and we put a lot of work to make every channel very efficient. 
be it outbound, be it marketing, be it partnerships. Uh, and every channel is supported by, you know, by marketing and making sure that the brand, uh, that we have a good reputation, deliver the quality. If you look back then, because I'm a strong believer that <laughs> the only way to learn is by your quite hurtful mistakes. What common mistakes do you see you did yourself with your go-to-market strategy earlier with Uncapped a few years ago? I think number one thing we didn't realize who exactly are we targeting and why. We went too wide in our marketing and we tried too fast with um, uh, some acquisition channels, uh, bid marketing. Number two mistake we've done is I think we didn't iterate enough and we didn't hire good enough people straight away to lead our outbound team. I think outbound can be very, very powerful channel. And I think there's a lot of companies built on the outbound, but outbound done well, it's a lot of science and probably art, but a lot of science, a lot of data, a lot of tools, a lot of processes, uh, and has to be really well thought through, managed, supported uh, by the whole organization. And finally, I think we didn't have a right partnership strategy. And again, partnerships, if done well, can also be quite interesting and scalable channel, but they are very, very slow, very, very painful. And there is a million type of partnerships. So one has to really know how to do it well to, to, to make it work. And I think it's very, very easy to overinvest uh, and then get burned. So I think it's one of these channels where we have to like, Keep investing a little bit and slowly increasing the investment in the channel. Uh, because if you just start to put uh, putting a lot of people and expect results in six months, nine months, you will realize it's not working and you'll be disappointed. And if you invest a little and you know keep coming and keep coming and keep growing, there's a chance for you to make it work. The last segment you talked about here, partnership, that is something that have taken you like several years, right? Yeah. To now harvest yeah. some fruits. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, because when I always hear partnerships, I'm like, red flags if people think too fast. Like, no, won't happen. Yeah, it's years. It's honestly, it's years. I think we started partnerships as one of our first channel. And it was yielding decent results early on. But then we tried to scale. And especially, you know, if you try to do these big partnerships with tech partners, oh my God, they never work. They, they absolutely never work. And, and then you have to be very patient and wait until one day suddenly the partner appears and and we come to life a topic that is like still a lot of people talk about it's not as hype maybe as it was for like three months ago but you know where i'm getting ai mm -hmm. i want to understand the top two to three ways you work with ai in your business today or thinking about the near future there's a, you know, easy use cases, like, you know, I think everyone should be using ChatGPT to create more content, improve your marketing, improve your copy. And like, you just accelerate the, the work a lot every day. So we use it a lot, you know, the, the other language models in our work and the, and the tools like this. We try to see if we can leverage AI in the outbound process. Can we write emails automatically? Can we identify client, clients in a more automated way, uh, et cetera? So this is something, this is some interesting 
things which we're working on. And of course, the holy grail is uh, credit decisions, right? Can we can we make can we replace our underwriters with 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 technology, uh, with AI? And I think this is where we are furthest away. I think it will take us some time to actually uh, uh, nail it for us. So, ChatGPT and other uh, content creation that is, that have you been for months now? What I'm hearing, output process, maybe few months, weeks, and decisions like more thinking, but some not so concrete right now. Exactly, exactly. Thank you. And um, continue then to KPIs. You can't have a SaaS podcast without talking about KPIs. Of course. Uh, which top KPIs on a company level are the most important for you and uncapped? And please tell me why you have chosen especially them. It will not be very surprised. Like the the key KPIs we're looking at is the top of the, the you know the revenue one. So we actually care about how many loans we issue. This is like the, the volume we're talking about as a number one priority because this basically means also how many clients have we onboarded, and we care more about the value of the deals, uh, like you know how many loans we've given. We don't care about the rate for us because we believe that the rate really depends on the, you know, we are good at like managing the rate. If you are a good customer, we'll charge less, bad customer more. So we think it balances out. So if you were to focus on the rate, you would promote the bad customers who are more expensive and we don't want to do that. So we focus on the number of value of the loans issued. And then another very important metric is how many calls have we booked? Because if you think about it, there are two teams working to close the deal. First, we have a customer acquisition teams, and this is partnerships and marketing and outbound. And they, their goal is to you know, bring as many calls to our salespeople as possible. Yeah. So for them, it's all about the, we call it explore call, explore calls booked. And then the sales team is the one who is responsible for converting the leads to the clients. So for them, it's the value of deals. So together, these two metrics give us the full picture of uh, our commercial team. And these are the two numbers we're looking at uh, the most closely in the business. Thinking from a product perspective, what, what is your North Star metric there, if you think from? At the end of the day, you're caring about how much customer, uh, how many customers take the loan. But in between, we have a very important step, which is sharing the data. Right. And we care a lot on the product side how easy we make the process of sharing the data, how fast customers are able to share the data with us. And you know, the more integrations we have, the more automation we have, the simpler we make the process, yeah. the faster the customer can give us access to their bank account and accounting software and e-commerce engine uh, and share the data. And this means the faster we do it, the more loans we give, etc. And then they so, hooked. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, this was an interesting part. Nice. Now, we, we must talk about something that is <laughs> super close to my heart. And you have already told me and the listeners that you're working with Outbound. I want to talk some outreach, mm -hmm. not like your best tips here and there. I want to understand how you prefer to be contacted yourself, Piotr, in a modern buyer's journey for B2B. Basically meaning, what is the best way to do outreach to you? Number one thing is, I want to be outreach with the right product, right? And I think it's important uh, 
what I think everyone is tired of today is like being contacted by the recruitment agencies and software development agencies. Like really, like if I needed another software development, if I like another agency, like gosh, I have millions of them. Like I really don't need a, a another agency to. And I think it's it's they feel so spammy, right? I think I was thinking a lot about this in our decision making process. I think. The best one is when people, I actually like well done LinkedIn messages uh, by senior people in the company who really think we are the right partner to them. And they say like, if someone emails me, hey, we work with your competitor A, B, and C, we help them with this. Would it be interested in having discussion? I think you cannot have a stronger pitch than this. And basically, that's how I got you here. Exactly right, and this is like this is exactly I think how how outbound and well should work. So okay, if you are working within recruitment agency or software agency, just skip think of Piotr and then look alike as him, and then start with LinkedIn. Make sure that it should be a C level or at least a VP level, some person that can take a decision and then reach out to you with a well-written short message with some bullets and show value. Exactly. Exactly. Except LinkedIn, would you say phone, email, or something else? What is your like second second in line? Because I, I, I believe you need to have several channels. Sure. I think I think calling people, frankly, is rude. I think no one likes to... Not, like, most of the people don't like the cold call. Uh, and, and I don't remember last time I bought something of a cold call. I think well-placed like email and uh, and LinkedIn message are a great channel. What really works for me, though, is I think the, the trade shows and, and conferences. I think if I can meet you at the conference, looks to me, this means, hey, you're a serious player. You invested to be here. We can have a chat in person. And I think I do tend to have a lot of discussions uh, with uh, a lot of vendors at the conferences. Um, so, so I think this is, very, very, this is a great channel as well. Nice. Good. We move on to a bit lighter topic. A fun fact. Piotr, can you share a fun fact about yourself? I'm a huge reader. Um, and a few years ago, I gave myself a challenge to read 52 books in a year. Uh, so one per week, it turned out to be much more difficult than I expected. My partner, she was really angry because instead of watching any TV show with her, no Game of Thrones, I need to read the book. I'm really behind it. <laughs> I have I have 300 pages to finish this weekend. Wow. <laughs> Don't interrupt. Uh, but yeah, it was very fun. You know, I read 52 books in a year and uh, I have to say it taught me a lot about how to accumulate knowledge fast. Most likely, you should never say never, but most likely I won't cut this fun fact off. <laughs> so, so thank you for sharing. And uh, a bit harder topic then again, mistakes. Mm-hmm. Basically the worst mistakes. I want to know what's the worst mistake you have ever made in business that you hopefully have behind you now and not too close emotionally connected so you actually can tell me what to avoid. I made several huge mistakes in uh, in the business i think um the first one i think frankly was 
picking the wrong team in the early days of a business and trusting them too much. I think a few people I brought on board and gave them too much power, they um, steered the business into the very wrong direction. And then I had to do a very big uh, changes to, to counter that. And the second big mistake was actually doing that. And I, want to, I can tell you more about this. So uh, the biggest mistake we've made was um, at some point, you know, our business was getting very commoditized. There was a competitor coming up everywhere in the world. And investors were asking, how will you differentiate? What's your mode? So our thinking was very naive at the time. We're going to provide banking to the startups. We're going to acquire startups with a free banking solution. And we're going to give everyone the best banking product and then monetize them on the loans, which seems standard. This is probably what all the traditional banks uh, are doing. But this plan had huge flaws. Uh, at least our execution was very, was, was, was very, very poor. I'll tell you why. So we, to do that, we had no idea about the banking. So we hired a chief product officer from Revolut Business. Uh, he was running whole Revolut Business and, you know, he scaled this product. Uh, great guy, by the way. Really awesome guy. Super smart. Great energy. But in hindsight, he wasn't the right person uh, to launch a new product because he was, a, he, was, had ex, he was experienced with, you know, scaling the organization. And our banking product was just a startup. And like why Combinator is telling people how hey, you should have probably like a six, seven person team to launch a product. And this is how Uncapped was built. First product, we had, you know, uh, seven people for a year and a half scaled and then started to, uh, uh, to growing. This guy joined and he, first of all, says, well, U.S. is a bigger market and we are a London-based company. We should launch this in the U.S. first. Okay, maybe... I wasn't convinced, but, you know, who am I to argue with? This is the guy who, who launched a business near bank uh, in the world. So we did that. And then we hired loads of people to do that, you know, mark product marketing, copyright, engineers, this, compliance, blah, blah, blah. And man, we had like more employees than customers. <laughs> it sounds when I'm thinking about it now, it sounds ridiculous, right? And you know, we were spending millions on this, and we didn't realize two things. First of all, um, talk to the customers first, and our customers, our lending customers, they didn't want a fancy new new bank. Maybe they wanted some particular features. But we didn't talk to them. It was just our stupid hypothesis that we will give them something. We didn't talk to them. And then we didn't think through, like, the banking customers we would, we would get are the small starting companies who we can't lend to. We lend to the companies doing million revenue and plus. And these customers would never sign up to the unknown bank. So over all in all, only all in all, it turned out to be a huge business mistake. We had to, you know, I had to fire the team. I fired this guy. I fired half the company, fired co-founder and uh, turned the business around. But this was a, a huge mistake in a, like, uh, in the short history of a startup. Oh, quite brutal. I can't say that I have like the same, we had more people than the customer, but a bit like that moment, like, 
when when you get sober now in 20 at the end of 2021 2022 before the crazy times 19 20 etc like people just want growth at all costs it it seems like the the world is much more sober now exactly exactly and, and like honestly looking back we were insane we were absolutely insane and i'm embarrassed for uh what we were doing as a company at the time and now it's time for a topic of your choice here you have several minutes i will sip it and you can talk about whatever you want the only framework is that you it needs to be something that you are nerdy about and feel passion for so the floor is yours i think um what i'm most passionate about and that's why i started the company is explaining to the founders why they should rethink how they fund their business because i think there's very little education about this and how i think about it to take a step back there are like different kinds of risk there is a highest risk which is when you start a company when you develop a product when you, you know you will be paid back in a five years ten years and this is what vc funding is great for it's huge risk which paid which pay back in a, in a very long time. Then you have a smaller risk, which is like, a, you know, um, uh, hey, I need to invest in a two, three-year time frame. Maybe I need to like expand the team and launch a new market. I'm an established company, but now I found a product market fit. Now it's a scale-up fit, right? And this is where probably the venture debt is one of the best sources to, uh, to fund the growth of a business. But then there are next, next phases of, of a stage of a business where founders don't understand how to fund it. By the way, you can be a small company at these stages. When one which is like, a, you know, I'm scaling the market, I'm already existing it with a proven economics and I need money for, you know, six months, 12 months. I just need to buy more inventory and to hire a few more salespeople. I need to spend more on the ads and my payback is in six, nine, 12, 13 months. This is where the companies like Uncapped are absolutely the best solution for you because there is no equity, uh, super simple process, and probably the cheapest cost of funding. And then you have a final final way of funding the business, like daily expensive, which is like a credit card. But I think this this, this semi-last piece, companies like Uncapped and similar, where um, are still not very well understood about the founders. And I really think that, you know, cap tables now with uh, equity markets closed, founders are often talking to me, hey, how do I fund the growth? And I want them to be aware of a solution. Uh, and that's because that's why we are spending so much effort building it. Thank you for sharing. Most likely I would put the topic of your shows, finding the right ways to fund, something like that. Amazing. Yeah, finding the right, yeah. Good. And uh, now it's time for an external question. I don't just want it to be me shooting questions mm -hmm. towards you. I want to lift in other people from my SaaS community. And actually today uh, we have a guest appearance from a person I know super well, my co-founder and my CTO, Hampus Passion. And this is his question. Hey, Piotr. Your experience from the venture capital side uh, and as a startup founder now is really interesting. And I'd be really uh, happy to hear your uh, kind of what has been your biggest takeaways from your time as a venture capitalist that you have been able to apply as uh, as a founder and a CEO uh, of Uncapped. Thanks. Oh, very broad question. I think um, 
and something I touched upon a minute ago, I think it's very important to understand what type of risk you're taking and what type of funding you need for the growth. I think um, over the last 10 years, especially, you know, 2019 to 2021, 2022, the equity was abundant and people were trying to use equity to replace all sources of capital, always of capital. But now we know that equity is extremely expensive and extremely dangerous, to be honest, because you're giving up control of the business. You might never receive this money again, all the ratchets, all the liquidation preferences. You really can create your company unsellable and like lose, you know, life work of a life of your lifetime. So um, I think it's very important, uh, as I said, to understand, uh, to really think through how much money you need to act to, to deliver on your plans and think carefully uh, how you will fund it. And, you know, we're always like, I think the best way to fund your business, number one, is your customers. Number two is debt. And only the last resort is equity. Campus, thank you for the question and Piotr for the answer. We move on to leadership. And regarding leadership, I want to start with superpowers. Because I think every founder slash CEO have at least some superpowers. And that's why people follow you. And what would you say are your top two to three superpowers as a leader, Piotr? Great question. I think, um, I think number one, I think I'm able to understand the problem and come up with the solutions very, very fast. I think I'm a very strong generalist and I have very fairly good uh, sense for the, what the customer wants and this allows me you know to quickly jump from topic to topic and you know work with marketing work with partnerships but then work with engineering work with tech uh, it's number one and then i have a mixed eq i think i'm very like i think i can be very very difficult to work with because i have a very like i have no filter and it's very like i give very harsh direct feedback but at the same time um i think giving very honest and thoughtful feedback people agree on even though sometimes and brutally i think there's a group of people who love it and who really like to work in the very high performance organization which it creates i think uncapped is an extremely high performance organization we love giving each other feedback. It's it's it's, and I think it's refreshing when you, after you know several years, work in a company where it's so natural to basically just like I had a new people joining last month, and they were shocked by the culture of constantly improving. Like literally, but our company is every week about improving our processes, improving our product, improving the way we work with our customers. Um, and this is because of a constant feedback. And do you have one last or is this, this is the, two. the top two? Do, then we stay there and talking about pitfalls because everything isn't happy, crappy as a leader. What are the biggest pitfalls of being a leader according to you? Biggest pitfalls. I think it's very lonely at the top, you know, and um, especially as being a solo founder, you know, you bottle up a lot of uh, issues inside you, figuring out the way how to 
handle that, how to manage that is, I think, essential for, for your mental well-being uh, and for your sanity. And since you just told me what you think is that, and you said what one should do, figure out a way, I want to know how you are doing it. For me, it's um, number one thing, I think, is the uh, exercise. I think I realized some time ago that being a successful executive is very similar to being a successful sports person. Like every day you need to come to the work and perform at the highest level, right? Like your team, like if you're managing the right team, the, the, the you know proper team, a lot of people depend on you, uh, clients depend on you, partners, employees. You need to come to the come to the office or whatever, come to your desk at home and deliver every day. And what you need to do about this, have enough sleep, uh, have the right diet and exercise enough. So I'm very, very, you know, I'm very uh, thoughtful about this. I, you know, wear whoop, track my health, track my sleep, really take a lot of care about making sure you, I don't drink alcohol, you know, you really like, you, you eat well, you really like to, you have to treat yourself like a proper sports person. Otherwise, it's just very, very difficult to deliver at the level that, that people around you require you to, to do. Especially that you should be demanding more from yourself than anyone else around. And this is my philosophy. Like I demand first from myself, then from everyone else. Super powerful. And we are entering the roundup with only a few questions left. And first thing here is just basically me fishing for other smart, cool guests with the help of you. Which other two B2B socios do you think, Piotr, are interesting? I think you should invite Nick, founder of Atio. Yes. And maybe uh, the founder who is also XBC turned founder, Chris Prieb, founder of Azelt. Thank you so much for these names. And uh, now you should talk to yourself. If you would give yourself... When you were a younger CEO, think the start of Uncap, a couple of years ago, the top one to three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? I would tell myself, I would say, trust more in yourself. And I think, uh, you know, I, I, when I was a, I still am a first time founder. I think when you start a company for the first time, you can, you know, have doubts about yourself. You trust other people too much. You don't trust your judgment. I would say trust myself, trust my judgment more. Like, you know, like a, like a Formula One driver. I love Formula One, by the way, who, you know, has to, tr- has to trust himself. That he can deliver the best lap. And, you know, every driver asked, they, they will tell you they can be the, 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 the world champions. I think what's the point of even starting a company if you don't believe in yourself? So I also believe that like as a founder, you have to believe in yourself first, otherwise no one else will. So if you don't believe you can succeed, why, why would anyone else? Here, here. Can you now here at the end share one of your favorite life mottos? There is, do you know the t- motto, you know the famous quote about the man in the ar- arena? Maybe, but please tell me. I'm- so the famous quote by Theodore Roosevelt, you know, it's, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or when the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena 
whose face is married with dust and sweat and blood. And, you know, it continues and so on and so on. But I think it's a very, it's one of my favorite quotes, which basically reminds you to, first of all, uh, never, you know, I work with a lot of founders and never criticize the founders, uh, even if they're struggling for their mistakes, because they're the ones who are trying. And I think when, when, you know, when I was a VC, I think I lacked this humbleness and empathy. And now, you know, when I'm a founder, I really understand how difficult it is to be there, to, you know, start the company from nothing, you know, risk everything, especially given your identity, as we spoke at the beginning, is so tied to your business. I think I have much more respect and, and uh, uh, towards everyone who is trying to change the world by being an entrepreneur. The very last question now, where will Uncap be in five years? In five years, I think, you know, we want to be the number one lender for uh, next generation companies, you know, e-commerce, SaaS, whatever tech, tech companies around the world. Uh, you know, I want us to be doing, you know, few billions of loans per year uh, and hopefully being present in more than just Europe and the US. And I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you so much. And now I'm shifting the focus to you who has been listening. Two quick ones. Number one, if you got any value, please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to Piotr in B2B SaaS sales so they can get value too. And number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming up every week. And Piotr, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes of your time together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you for having me.